0: Okay, we'll look at the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 4, I read from verse 1. In that day shall seven women take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them, that are escaped to Israel, of Israel. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion, <clears throat> and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy, even every one that is written among the living in Jerusalem. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion And upon her assemblies A cloud and smoke by day And the shining of a flaming fire by night For upon the glory shall be a defense There shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the day from the heat And for a place of refuge And for a covert from the storm Last week you remember we considered in part anyhow The prayer of Elijah when he called down fire from heaven as I've meditated over that I wonder the people didn't rebel because they didn't need fire they needed water. There's been a drought for years. And you get away the, again the, <clears throat> a prophet never seeks vindication. If you read that chapter again it said that Elijah said let it be known this day that there is a, king, a God in Israel and that I am thy servant. He wasn't concerned first of all about his acceptance or whether they would say it was a true prophet or a false prophet, let it be known this day that there is a God in Israel. And that's the hallmark of of people who really love God. They want his name to be glorified and vindicated. Now here it tells us that there should be a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night. Now skip back a little here into... uh, Genesis 14. Sorry, chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. In verse 6 it says, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him I am the Lord God That brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees To give thee this land to inherit it And he said Now God has made a promise to him God has committed himself to him He has seen God in a vision He's seen God He's heard God in verse 1 These things the word of the Lord Came unto Abraham in a vision There's the vision Saying fear not Abraham I am thy shield And thy exceeding great reward and God has promised him land and an inheritance and verse 6 says he believed God it was accounted to him for righteousness but then he says in verse 8 Lord God wherefore shall I know that thou shalt inherit it now we think of these men like Abraham as having a kind of a cast iron faith it never wavered it never had any questions but God has already pledged his omnipotence to him I am thy shield Not that I'll put a shield between you and your situation I am your shield Not that I'll put Gabriel there Not that I'll put one of the super angels if you like A cherubim or I will be there I will be between you and your enemies And though God has given him that stupendous statement And promise and made a covenant with him He says And how shall I know that I shall inherit this land In verse 8 Let's skip down to verse 12 The sun was going down A deep sleep fell upon Abram And lo a horror of great darkness Came upon him And he said unto Abram Know for surety that thy seed Shall be estranged in a land That is not theirs And shall serve them And they shall be afflicted Four hundred years Come on Do you love God enough To ask him to lift the veil And let you see what's coming In your life a year from now He's a chosen vessel unto God And God says you, Your people are going to have For 400 years A horror of great darkness Came upon him Right after a stupendous revelation He'd had a vision of God And from that vision of God He goes to horrible Indescribable darkness There was a great book Written years ago I think I have a copy I've never read it And it's called uh, The Dark Night of the Soul If I remember right It was written by Mother Teresa Well I can get enough depression Without reading that kind of thing But those periods come They have to come Jesus went into the horror Of the darkness of Gethsemane As I've said often enough And people question it Jesus did not die on the cross He died in the garden That's the result of him dying A man isn't a martyr Because he's burned at the stake He'd already died to life A long while before that This proves He's a martyr And yet the Lord says, and He says, verse 8, how shall I know, Lord God, whereby that I shall inherit the land? Why didn't God say, well, listen, are you questioning me? I gave you a vision of myself and my glory. You saw me. You heard my voice. And you still question? You're still uncertain? No, the Lord doesn't rebuke him. Verse 17 says, It came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace. And a burning lamp that passed between those pieces In the same day that Lord made a covenant with Abraham Saying unto thy seed have I given this land from the river Euphrates Unto the great river in Egypt What was the sign of God's presence? A smoking lamp? How shall I know? You'll know when my glory comes in the midst of that situation. A smoking furnace and a burning lamp. In the same day that the Lord made a covenant with him. Chapter 17. And I will make my covenant between me and thee And will multiply thee exceedingly And he fell upon his face And God talked with him saying As for me my covenant is with thee And thou shalt be a father of many nations But the thing again I want to emphasize is The presence of God is in that burning furnace That burning lamp and that furnace Fire is symbolic obviously Of the presence of God and of the power of God well I don't know your heart of course and you don't know mine I'll tell you very frankly I'm getting weary of going to meetings where there's no presence of God the presence of God was there in that shaft of fire over the tabernacle it didn't matter where they moved it the pillar of fire was there Moses saw the presence of God in a burning bush Ezekiel had many many visions of the fire of God it was a call of fire remember on the lips of Isaiah that purged him and sent him forth to speak with tremendous prophetic urgency it says here that the cloud of smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night upon the glory shall be a defense That shall be a tabernacle for the shadow in the midst of the of the daytime from the heat and for a refuge and a covert from storm and rain Okay, jump now down into the gospel of John as we say John's interpretation of the gospel in chapter 1 verse 29 says the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him And saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is prepared before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, and to whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. Remaining on him. We quote it so often, the Spirit came upon him, but the Spirit remained upon him. Well, if he needed the Spirit of God upon him every moment of his life, I'm sure I need that. If a pillar of fire had come over the, uh, over the tabernacle Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, the people would have been disturbed there's a permanent evidence of the presence of the living God again I don't know about you but I'm aching for the day when I go into a sanctuary and we don't have to try and work the spirit up and clap our hands and kick the furniture around but the presence of God is so real that I'm almost breathless with his majesty and with his glory that day will come Some kind of scripture here. Well, it's eluded me for the moment, but anyhow. There's a promise of the presence of God to the children of Israel. Remember there was darkness in Egypt, but there was light in the homes of the children of Israel. The scripture I was looking for it was where it said that the presence of God will be in the homes. You know, in the Welsh Revival, every every house became a tabernacle where there'd been profanity and cursing and fighting and all the cruel things that go on with depravity. I talked with some people that went through the Welsh Revival. They said, you wouldn't believe the neighborhood. There's never any voices raised. Every house you passed was singing, Come round guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Everywhere you went, there were prayer meetings. People would start bargaining in the shop and stop And suddenly they'd start magnifying the Lord you Now there is coming a, a day In which Jesus As Isaac Watts said in one of his hymns Jesus shall reign Where'er the sun doth its successive journeys run His kingdom stretch from shore to shore Till moon shall wax and rain no more You see there was a permanent mark there The spirit of the living God was there Evidenced by fire now isn't it true in your church sometimes the heat's up there next time you go it's cold sometimes you can feel the throb of eternity the next time you feel you're in a morgue it shouldn't be that way that's not God's desire God's desire is for permanent power a permanent revelation a permanent quickening that when people step into that atmosphere that just as you walk into a room and say oh this room's too hot cool it down That we go into the sanctuary and we're overwhelmed, awed By the majesty with the holiness of God My heart craves for this And I won't be satisfied until God comes in such awesome majesty Until sometimes the preacher won't dare to stand up and interrupt the presence of God Even though he may have a burning heart Remember they went down the road to Emmaus before the Holy Ghost was given and their hearts burned within them I need the quickening of the spirit of God every moment of my life more when I preach more when I'm commissioned to do something but I need thy presence every passing hour as the hymn writer says because not that thy grace can foil the tempter's power when I heard about this horrendous Thing, earthquake that happened almost 80 minutes past 7 yesterday morning and it shook some parts of Houston even and shook cities 200 miles away I thought of that word in Romans 8 that talks about the whole creation groaning actually there's a groaning amongst people there's a dissatisfaction materialism is saturated they can't get any further in it you put a sponge in water and release it It will fill itself But there's a limit to it And there's a limit to satisfaction on the level The human level But where will people go to find life? I had a refreshing experience yesterday A man called me And he said I, I, I have an appointment with you at two o'clock I said thanks I'd forgotten all about it I had prayed for it But previously I admit that this young man came, <coughs> well he was youngish, 45, everybody under 50 thinks they're young anyhow <coughs> and then he sat down he began to cry, he said I've waited four years, I've prayed since I got your book Why Revival Tarries and I got revival praying and he said I still get up at two and three o'clock in the morning and read the chapter of Why Revival Tarries then read something from the prophets and I go to my room and weep Or I march up and down the tabernacle With my hands raised and magnify the Lord He says, Brother Raymond, there's something burning in me There's something that won't keep quiet And yet my people don't want to hear they relax. You know the theme right now is relax and be raptured But I'll tell you what If we knew the Lord was coming at the end of the week Most of us would put our house in order He said, there's something burning, and I have offered God. He said, here's my wife, she'll tell you. I've offered to lay my ministry down. We're building a lovely home. I've no money, but I'm building a home. The church isn't building it, I'm building it, by the help of God. And he said, I'm prepared to lay this church down. I got it from the grassroots. God gave me a touch of revival in the community, and I've got favor with the community. Speaking naturally, I have everything I want, but I hand. I haven't got it," He said, "I don't know God. I'm not intimate with God. I want to be able to touch Him. I want to be able to hear his voice. Yes. I'm not satisfied with a crowd. I'm not satisfied with my wages. I'm not satisfied to be accepted." He said, "You know, a while ago he said, I was going down the road. He said, "I've made records, I have a good voice. I've traveled as a singer." and I was going down the road and I put your tape on the judgment seat and he said you said well what will you say the judgment seat some of you will say I made records he said that slew me I pulled the car off the road and repented and nothing wrong in making records it's wrong when they become your idols it's wrong again when they become your satisfaction I said well again you know the, the key to the whole thing according to Jesus who is the greatest master of all he said blessed are the hunger and thirst He said well I've got a perpetual hunger I can't feed enough Well I said you know That we sing that hymn Guide me O thou great Jehovah And we turn the last verse round, Feed me till I want no more I'd like to eat like that So just one meal And not spend time eating The rest of my life Spend it in prayer and quietness If you find a secret like that Let me know Dale Or Betty Betty does the cooking All right, Sometimes No, I can't be satisfied physically by one meal. And Jesus Christ is the bread of life and he's the satisfaction. It's a paradox. But everything in the Christian life is a paradox. If you're going to go up, you go down. He that exalteth himself shall be abased. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Save your life, you'll lose it. Lose your life, you'll save it. Now that's not logic by anybody's reasoning. It's totally paradoxical, but how true it is. Yeah. John Wesley said, what I had, I gave. And what I kept, I lost. I discovered that early in life, he said, and determined to give away everything. I'd live at the absolute minimum, which he did. But you see, there's a permanence with the abiding spirit of godliness. You see, the Spirit comes not to glorify me, to help me to preach, help me to sing, help me to do something, do exploits. The supreme work of the Holy Spirit is to make me more like Jesus Christ, by whatever means he does it. If the fire has to burn more fiercely, so be it. You know, it's easy to sing, all oh, to Jesus I surrender. It's doing it that matters, isn't it? Hmm? When God begins to strip, when he takes this away, when he takes that away, and he's not touching somebody else. Wasn't it somebody came to Jesus one day and said, tell my brother to do this? Jesus said, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. God is making me. I told a young man yesterday, God isn't concerned about your ministry. My, he stared at me. And his wife looked sideways as much saying, "Are you crazy?" I said, "No, he's not concerned about your church. He's not concerned about your ministry. He's concerned about making you a man of God. is concerned with making you equal, commensurate with the situation that lies in front of us, or in front of us. No, I don't want the horror of great darkness. I'd rather not have it. But if going through that great darkness, going through that Gethsemane means death and then death means resurrection, so what? is there any alternative there's a hymn that says it is the way the master went should not the servant tread it still and after all he is the file leader it's easy to say I want the faith of Abraham, do you want the trouble Abraham had and the trials and the testing but one thing I got out of that you know is this when he said well how will I know you'll do it He's seen God He's heard God And he still doubts God How will I know? And God says Well I'll let you know When you divide that sacrifice There'll be a burning fire A lamp of burning Go right through My presence is fire I suppose the hardest thing in life To bear really is loneliness Unless it's ridicule You know when you decide You're going to lay all on the altar And live entirely for Jesus Christ The folk you thought loved you most Will turn against you easiest The apostle Paul I think the greatest man that ever lived after Jesus himself He got together a group of men All full of the Holy Ghost But his pace was so quick His fasting was so long His zeal was so strong They wouldn't put up with him They quit all men forsook me Nevertheless the Lord stood by me When he lost everything He gained everything We want to give a limited ma- amount to God And expect him to pour his bounty Unlimited blessing for a minimum deposit God says not so I gave my all in my son I expect your all To be given to me It's a lonely way It's a hardly wa- hard way that young man looked at me and waited a minute and said, Do You mean to say that my ministry doesn't, I'm not saying your ministry doesn't count. I'm saying it's not number one thing in your life in the sight of God. Are there deficiencies in your life? Yes. I've moved up in my prayer life, but I've not got gro- the groanings which cannot be uttered. I don't know anything about traveling, I don't know anything about tears. Essentially when I go I discover in the center of myself I have some self-pity, I have some restraint There are things I'm holding on to Well until you let them go And you really sing as the hymn writer says Nothing in my hands I bring simply to I You can't grasp something if your hands are full You can't learn of God if your head's full You can't learn of God if your heart is full of something else It's the stripping that's the problem. We want to be clothed, but who wants to be stripped? And yet it's God's way with us. It's the only way. You wouldn't think the backside of the desert would be the place where God's going to reveal himself, but he did that to Moses. Again, in that defense we have, that marvelous defense of Stephen's, and he begins to tell the fathers and the elders of Israel there, our father God revealed himself to Abraham in Mesopotamia. That's like saying you're going, just walking through Las Vegas in a nightclub and suddenly the Holy Ghost came. God doesn't do it that way anymore. But the only way that he could get to Abraham <clears throat> was to get to him in, in, a, in a place that wasn't much more than a forest of idols and hedonism and superstition and darkness and yet a merciful holy God came and presented himself there in the midst of all that idolatry I dare to think that every day in some part of the world God is revealing himself where there's no sanctuary where there's no building where there's no priest where there's no Bible Some people are making discoveries of God today in prison cells They've been there maybe 10 years, 12 years And this was the day when God came As a result of their faithfulness As a result of their intense desire for God And we said last week This amazing man John came in the wilderness After 400 years of darkness and no prophetic light then he comes brighter than Halley's Comet a still no voice then suddenly his voice he came with a message which is so badly needed in the day in which we live you hear people saying well of course the last word of of Jesus was to the church in which he said go ye into all the world that's not true it's not the last word of Jesus that was the last word of Jesus to the disciples The last word of Jesus is given about six or seven times in Revelation Repent, 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 repent That's the that's a mission the word to the church The church has halted somewhere between the upper room Calvary and the upper room We're trying to capture the attention of the world With something we have instead of something he has We've got to the bottom of the battle. The different things we're doing in these days A lady called me the other day, she said, in our town, the leading evangelical church in the town, so-called, they've had aerobic dancing for women, and now they've got women and men aerobic dancing. That'll be some sight. Anything to try and capture people, bring them in. But again, there's nothing more fascinating than fire. And there's nothing more fascinating than the fire of the Holy Ghost. Again, in the Welsh revival, when the spirit came on those blaspheming miners, some of the roughest men in the world, they take their lunch in a little basket, or sometimes in a handkerchief, they call it their snap. When it came to lunchtime or snap time, they said instead of talking football and talking sport and talking all that, you'll hear all that in Bible colleges if you go, all they do is talk about the latest films, about the football teams, about the baseball scores. But when it came to the Welsh Revival the Spirit of God came all over the coal mine there were groups of men they'd be singing come round guide me o thou great joy. then they quit and they start praying and all over the mine you could hear the surging of the voice, voices of men crying for revival that revival did not stay in Wales I think it was Seth Joshua that was one of the leading figures and he and one or two other men had been anointed in that revival and they asked for this very same thing the spirit of the Lord remained upon him stay upon us, stay upon us it meant loneliness it meant fasting, it meant weeping it meant isolation <clears throat> but they went from there to the Cyclot Hills in India and had revival there praying Hyde was a key figure there too the fire was permanently there from there they went to uh, China and they had an amazing revival in China and when the fires were lit all over the... Country, they said, We're going to Korea, and the Chinese people said, Never, never, they're too phlegmatic. It's like trying to set water on fire. But they went and had the same fire because it was the same Holy Ghost, because the hearts had the same need. There was no profit making, nobody was trying to establish a denomination. They didn't even ask for offerings, they went and poured out their hearts in prayer and intercession. God is going to bring us back to that, I'm sure of that. You may think I'm overboard, that's all right. You stay on board. I'm still believing God is going to send a Holy Ghost fire in the Tyler area. I don't care where. Don't care if we have to take a storefront shop sometime. If he can't get in anywhere else, let's make a place where he can get in. it's blessed to have nothing Paul said he had nothing and he possessed all things now we've all things and we've got nothing when we've no self esteem when we've no goal except his glory when we're not after some denominational label when we're not seeking to out bid somebody else in Sunday school numbers I think today when David numbered Israel God rebuked him but boy, it's a numbers game these days, isn't it? Yeah. How many numbers in Sunday school? How many buses are you running? It's numbers, numbers, numbers. I think we ought to get out of numbers into Exodus, make an Exodus. <laughs> and maybe God will come with fire on us. You've heard me say this often and I'm going to say it here, and then we're going to pray. I read and read and re-read Hebrews 11 those amazing people who subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions women received their dead raised to life tell you what it's going to be a wonderful thing at a judgment when these people who have never been listed the unlisted heroes we don't know who they were they wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute afflicted and tormented where? when was it? I don't know, I don't care, but I know God has a record of it. One day we're going to find these people marching up to the front while some of the big TV evangelists are still trying to get into heaven. But they're going to go up to the front to be honoured with the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobodies who became somebodies and exalted when they get into the presence of the eternal King. Why? Because they obeyed God. They were obedient to the heavenly vision. I was thinking of that him a favorite of mine anyhow I've got about 3,000 favorites John Wesley's favorite it was written by a pretty petite little French lady a hundred years before Wesley was born come saviour Jesus from above assist me with thy heavenly grace empty my heart of earth love that's where it starts Jesus won't be rivaled with anything in your life, whether it's success, money, position, social standing, or intellectual power. Come, Savior Jesus from above, assist me with thy heavenly grace. Empty my heart of earthly love, and for thyself prepare a place. Nothing very dramatic about that. But then she says, nothing on earth do I desire, but thy pure love within my breast. This only this will I require And freely give up all the rest Wealth, honor, pleasure And what else this short Enduring world can give Tempt as ye will My soul rebels For Christ alone resolves to leave Thee will I love And thee alone With pure delight and inward bliss To know thou takest me For thine own Oh what happiness is this Henceforth may no profane delight Divide my consecrated soul Possess it thou who hast the right As the Lord and master of of it all Now Wesley said that Not only said it he did it But an outstanding scholar in his day Laid his scholarship at the feet of Jesus His parents I've read Were the most important people in England After the royal family And he surrendered everything to become an outcast One day he met a young man By the name of George Whitfield. And he said, Mr. Whitfield, you don't preach in the sanctuaries. You don't preach any longer in the cathedrals. He said, no, sir. Did Jesus preach in cathedrals? No. Well, Mr. Wesley, why don't you come with me into the streets? And in his diary, John Wesley says, I condescended today to become more vile. And I preached with no roof over my head. And I preached without stained glass windows. I preached... With no bishops around me. I preached, but I preached again as a dying man to dying men, as later was said in the, well, it had been said before that actually. But he said, from that moment there burned in me a fire, an irresistible fire, a burning, a live coal from off the altar. It's an amazing thing that this brilliant scholar was taken to the coal miners in Bristol. They used to go ahead, George Whitfield, at five o'clock in the morning. You can get people listening for five dollars each at that time Not two or three thousand They They'd worked in the coal mines all night They came up and Whitfield was there with his holy anointing The man who said every time I preached I saw the fires of hell waiting to consume my congregation A lady saw him standing there He was a portly man even when he was young And his tears rolled down his face and bounced off his tummy onto the little woman standing there. And she said, Mr. Whitfield, three times I've heard you today, three times this day, and three times I've been wet with your tears. Why do you weep? Because then you don't weep. My heart breaks for that heart of yours that won't break. The miners listened to him at five o'clock in the morning, and they said the tears made tracks through the dust. I've, I've been in a coal mine in Wales. I've seen the coal miners there and they have all the dust they sweat and then the dust the black dust of course sticks to their faces and the tears just streamed down their faces and made tracks until they looked as though they'd been chalked with white and George Whitfield who was raised in a tavern went to the ladies that wore their silks and satins in the beautiful castles and mansions of England George, uh, George Whitfield did that Wesley who was born up there God took him to other Street And then each of those men confessed they were burning. Charles Wesley wrote a hymn in which he said, Refining fire, go through my heart, illuminate my soul, scatter thy life through every part and sanctify the whole. My steadfast soul from falling free shall then no longer rove, while Christ is all the world to me and all my heart is love. I forget who it was, there's another great hymn that says See how great a flame aspires Kindling by a spark of grace You know on the day of Pentecost The two most potent forces in nature were married Wind and fire Do you remember earlier this year One of the great fires out on the west coast That consumed I don't know how many hundreds Or thousands and thousands of acres We listened to the news at ten o'clock at night We think we've contained the fire it's died down. Almost everywhere it's gone. Next morning it was blazing with flames twenty, thirty feet high. Oh, the wind came in the night and caught all of the sparks and fanned it into this blaze. The hymn writer says, See how great a flame aspires, kindled by one spark of grace. God doesn't raise up denominations. He raises up men. He didn't raise up Lutheranism again. He raised up Luther. He didn't raise the Wesleyan church He became the Methodist church He raised up Wesley He didn't raise up, raise up the Salvation Army He raised up this Marvelous young man Half Jew and half Gentile William Booth And he put a banner up I, still, I think they still have the banner I don't think they have what it stands for And on the banner it said Blood and Fire And he marched people through the streets Singing thou Christ A burning cleansing flame Send the fire Thy blood-bought gift today we claim, send the fire. Look down and see this waiting host. Give us the promised Holy Ghost. We want another Pentecost. We need it. Do you think we dare pay the price for it? To make our weak hearts strong and brave, send the fire. To live a dying world to save, send the fire. O oh, see us on thine altar lay our lives out all this very day. To crown the offering now we pray Send the fire And people left castles And mansions And wealth Men who inherited Get industrial plants left Because fire is attractive They gone into the formalism Of the Church of England Frozen to death almost And here comes William Booth With a tatterdemalion crowd Of ragged people Poor people No personality people But people on fire As I've said before I don't think there was anybody Equal to John Wesley in his day They were not equal to him Intellectually They didn't need that They were equal to him Spiritually They were equal to him With hunger for God They were equal with him With with longings for revival And England at that time Was as bad as she is now Or even worse But God came In answer to intercessory prayer and he'll come again in answer to intercessory prayer. We're not going to organise something for God to bless. He's looking people that have lost all confidence in themselves, confidence in their ability, confidence even in their message, confidence in their eloquence. They're right down to rock bottom and say, "God Almighty, we're bankrupt unless you come. We have no power." Is, is, is America going to die? We can't live much longer as we've lived. I heard a horrible thing this week reported. There are thousands, maybe tens of thousands of men with AIDS in the nation. They've openly said, we're going to go and and donate blood. We won't even admit we've got this thing. We'll go somewhere where nobody knows us. We're going to pollute America with AIDS. How diabolical can you get? The fellow that runs the Church of Satan out on the West Coast... I'm told he's ordered that every one of those stations which they have across the nation now, every Wednesday they're going to fast and pray for demon power to invade Christian homes in America and destroy it. Fasting and praying. They meet at midnight and and pray and worship their devil, their demon, till six o'clock. Stand on the cross and blaspheme the name of Jesus Christ. The cults are running wild Why? Why do you think? Do you think the devil's going to interrupt his own work? They've got all the power of the devil behind them He doesn't block them He doesn't resist them He fights the evangelical testimony He he fights the truth of God And heresy is strangling our nation Every day we live I thank God every day I live For that mercy is extended another day without sin, Sodom, without sin, Gomorrah. But people are going to be attracted by a star singer putting on a show. They're going to come when the Holy Ghost comes with such burning. Again, people did not, N-O-T, listen, people did not go to church to get saved in the New Testament. They went because they were saved. They were saved by what they saw in transformed lives. They saw people supernaturally changed. They saw men who had demon powers in them, converted. And they wanted what they saw. People don't want what we have. We're not radiant enough. I made up my mind, I'm going to read some part of Revelation every day of my life now. I want to see the King in his glory. I get a bit weary of people saying, uh, remember, Jesus walked on the dusty roads of Galilee. Galilee. The name of Jesus of Nazareth. He's not Jesus of Nazareth. What did Paul say of him? He says already he is the immortal invisible, the only wise God. Yeah. He's already exalted. He has no victories to win. Yeah. What he's trying to get through to us is to how to enter into his victory. Yeah. There's no kingdoms to pull down. There's no devil to trample underfoot. He did it on the cross. Yeah. He said it is finished and it was finished. But we haven't entered into that. Whether we're individuals or churches or denominations, we get to a plateau. Side two. We no, no longer feel the lash on our backs. But they got stuck at Kadesh Barnea. It should have been a gateway, it became a, a, a terminus. It should have been a thoroughfare, but they settled there. And the church is much like that today. I don't care what the label is. If you went in a Pentecostal church most of them you wouldn't know it was Pentecostal if they didn't have a label outside anyhow. Where is that surging, surging power? I say I need a permanent resident Holy Spirit in me. Jesus said he shall be in you. I know the various various manifestations of that. Sometimes I need to be touched with holy anger and I do. I get blazing mad when I pray sometimes. I had just yesterday a a precious girl this pastor told me one of the most beautiful girls in our church was saved and baptized with the Holy Ghost when she was 11 she became like a star shining in the sky her parents who go to that Pentecostal church said now wait a minute wait a minute you're still young you know you need to see something of life you see she was shaming them with her devotion with her prayers she wept at night she fasted she groaned And her spirit-filled parents got mad about it. And they said, well, you don't need to go this like this. You need to take a little bit of liberty. She did. And now she's 17 years of age and pregnant. And they go to the altar every night. They have a meeting and weep and weep. And God, God, why did it happen? Well, why did it happen? You said your daughter was getting too spiritual. I know a place where... A man, fairly wealthy man, says of his daughter, who's a charming girl. She started walking out with a Pentecostal boy. I'd rather she went to hell than marry him. She didn't marry him. She's pretty well on her way to hell, though. Isn't it amazing what people will do? I'm longing to see, well, this young man said last night, I listened to your tapes. I never knew there was a woman called the Maréchal until you said it. I want to read her life story. Did you ever see her? I said, yes, I ate with her, talked with her, preached with her. To think at 17 years of age she could step into Paris to the underworld with no financial backing and preach and see people come the, from the Sorbonne and the greatest universities and from the gutters and got saved. Why aren't there people like that today? I said, you answer the question. I said the difference today between presenting Pentecost and the early days is this. The stress is in Acts 15, 8 and 9 where the Holy Ghost is recorded as coming to the house of Cornelius and he purified their hearts by faith. We're not concerned about purity, it's power we want. And much of it is selfish, it's to us and let me preach better. Let people be attracted to my oratory, let them be attracted to my ministry. No, 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 no. Purifying their hearts they didn't have electric lights in the tabernacle of old. no you say they had oil lamps what were they filled with olive oil no 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 they were filled with pure oil it says the desk was made of beaten gold no it was made of pure gold the garments of the priest were pure everything that God used in that tabernacle ministry was pure he's still looking for purity he's still looking for people who want to be I was going to say scourged scoured we would say in England until every part of us which is unclean is totally removed and every part of our being is filled with that divine love that love which is a fire that burns again that precious little woman as I finished that little Irish lady Amy Wilson Carmichael wrote that verse give me a love that leads the way a faith which nothing can dismay a hope No disappointments tire A passion that will burn like fire. Here she is weighing about 96 pounds. Let me not sink to be a clod. Make me thy fuel flame of God. And the only way for me to burn is everything in me is burned out. All the dross. All the impurity. All the self-seeking. All the self-interest. I can only testify for myself. I'm getting more hungry than ever to see God to see something which is unquestionably sovereign power of God holy power that's pure of anything purified of everything I'm aching in my spirit God is my witness I do wish I could live without eating I do wish I could live without sleeping If the temperature doesn't ride in the church any more than we have it now, America's going to go to hell in less than ten years. We can't get more disease. We can't get more venereal disease. We can't have more babies put down the john. We can't have more rebellion against God. He won't put up with it. His spirit will not strive with men forever. He won't strive with individuals forever. He doesn't strive with nations forever. And I believe we're tempting the Lord. Nobody is more mutilated and merchandise the gospel than America. Look what we do Sunday mornings, begging, screaming for money. I say this and quit. I said for so long, for years, that because of the mounting iniquity in the nation, the church is going to suffer for the sin of America. I don't believe that anymore. I mean, I believe America is going to suffer for the sin of the church. The uncleanness, the pride, the covetousness, the worldliness. We're mesmerized by materialism. Doesn't mean if you sell your house and everything you have that tomorrow you'll be a superstar in God's kingdom. Not at all. But you see the penniless prophet, Jesus Christ. Could you think a holy man like him would be betrayed? Would you think a holy man like him could be doubted? They didn't all make well even out of the twelve and so if you suffer some of that thing remember it's the way the master went so I say again I can't transfer my despair to your heart in one sense I'd like to, I can't but there's a despair in my heart for God God brought us here for some reason we're not the greatest people in the world dear Martha and I we went back in our lives the other day we lived in England in a beautiful place went to Ireland lived in a more beautiful place and from there we went to Bethany Fellowship from Bethany Fellowship we went to New York worked with Dave Wilkerson 20 years ago from there we went and lived for 3 years in the beautiful Bahamas then God brought us into Louisiana then he brought us over here why did we stop here? Tyler isn't the most beautiful place on earth I don't think it's a lovely place I dare to believe God has a reason for me being here. I believe he has a reason for you being here. And he says to Israel, you remember upon me, he said to Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophet, if you knew the day of your visitation, isn't it amazing they were celebrating the Passover in the temple and crucifying God's Passover in the very same day and didn't even know? If you knew the day of your visitation, the walls are going to come tumbling down before long. Again, while you and I sit here in our ease, there are people under debris there, trying to keep away the dust so they won't choke on it, buried under buildings in agony. All they know is despair and darkness. Death to them. There's no risen, exalted Christ. There's no eternity of glory. They've been deceived and lied about, and there they are. And when our economy comes tumbling down and other things, there's going to be despair over the nation. And the only people that will lift their heads up will be the Christians, and we better be pretty well sold out to God by that time. There's fire. (coughs) The mark of residency of the Holy Spirit again was the pillar of fire. It was fired on the lips of of, of, uh, Isaiah. Elijah said, let there be rain. No, no, no. If it rained, the people of Baal would say, it it rained because we cut our breasts and beat our heads and screamed to God. But he made it most difficult. Though they wanted rain, he said, send fire. That's a symbol of God. The God that answereth by fire, let him be God. I believe the world is still waiting to see that holy fire manifested in his people. That there'll be something burning that you can't explain, and I can't explain in our hearts. It's going to come. There are so many people praying for Tyler. We meet them in different places that tell us we're praying for Tyler. That's great. I'm not saying the fire will only fall in Tyler. I'm telling you out of my despair tonight. I'm honest with you. I thank God for the fire that's in me. I know there is a fire burning But I know there's still more that God wants to reveal. There came a rushing mighty wind from above. There came fire from above. It didn't come down Main Street. It didn't go through the temple. It didn't go past the house of the high priest. It came directly from heaven to those men there. And the next time it comes, it will come the same way. It's not going to be manipulated by the headquarters of the assemblies of God or the headquarters of the Nazarene. God's going to display his sovereign right, and no man will get the glory. And that's what we need. I want you to pray about that fire tonight. For your own life, if you have to. And I'm sure all of us could do with more anointing. More holy zeal. More holy love. More holy courage. More holy determination to do the will of God. And then again, pray again for this community that God will come. Not only here, maybe you have a burden for India, Africa, I don't care. You know, when you think it's. It's terrible to think that if in the next 12 months we had a revival in the world that swept 1 billion, pe- 1 billion people into the kingdom, <clears throat> there was still 4 billion for the devil to have. And that's too much. The last time we were in Ireland, we went up into Donegal, where they make that lovely Donegal tweed. And they've got hills there and they've got rocks on the side of the hills. And there were old men there with little sides. They were cutting the wheat. And all over the place, there were grandpas and grandmas cutting like that. I come over here and I see these great combines doing more in one hour than those people were doing a whole year. I see that as evangelism and revival. Evangelism is doing little bits. Revival is when God comes with a great outpouring of his spirit and disturbs the sleep of death. And people know that it's God. It's not man. It's not evangelism. It's not a star personality. Young men are going to see visions. And all men dream dreams. And on God's servants and handmaids, not his bishops, not superstars, not bishops, not presidents, on my servants and handmaids, that's where he began. He didn't go to the temple and ask the high priest there who are the best, most spiritual people. He went to a fisherman down there. He went to a tax gatherer. He took the most ordinary men and made them extraordinary. And he's still in the business. And if you're a candidate for it, cry out to him tonight. Say, Lord, I want the greatest purging I've ever had. I want the greatest anointing. I want this to be permanent. I don't want to running to the altar every week. Good Lord, we've got altar tramps. They think there's something magic about kneeling there. No, I went to an altar once and I remember where it was and I died to self that night. I knew my problem was pride. It was ambition. It was jealousy. I remember going to that altar and crying and saying, God, the man that came to deal with me said, what do you want? I said, I want God to do Romans 6, 7. You mean Romans 6, 6? No, I don't. Well, Romans 6, 6 Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should... That's not what I'm asking for. What do you want? Next verse. What's the next verse? He that is dead is freed from sin. I want to die tonight. I want to enter a death where there'll never be any renewal. I'm not saying there's no trial after it, no difficulty after it. I'm saying there's a place where permanently we, God can cut us off from all vain ambition Cut us off from all worldliness Worldly interests Worldly sports Worldly achievements Everything is cut off And we're completely lost in him And the lovely chorus says That we never sing But maybe we we'll learn it Sweet will of God Still fold me closer Till I am wholly lost in thee Sweet will of God Still fold me close Till I'm wholly this I have no eyes for anything else I have no interest in anything else You'll tempt me I'm not interested Tempt a dead miser with money And he'll not reach for it Tempt a man who really dies out To Jesus Christ here And after this It won't be easy coasting The devil will be after him for sure But he'll have supreme victory Because he has the total indwelling Of the spirit of the living God These are the men God's looking for These are the women God's looking for We'll go to prayer And again as I always say you feel free to go any time you want to go I'm sure we'll pray at least another hour